Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. Welcome back to Hope Through Hard Stuff. It's my honor to have as our guest today, Marcy Colleen. She is a certified professional life coach. Her focus is on women from middle school, high school, and adult women, and her passion areas are talking about self-image, body image, self-worth, and spiritual development. Marcy, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And you're also married to Justin. Yeah. And you've got two kids. I do. And what are their names and ages? So Malaya is 15, ninth grader, just finishing ninth grade, first year of high school, and Pearson is 12, sixth grade. So we had some big transitions over the last year. I bet. Yeah. Marcy, how long have you been working at Winning at Home? I've been here for a year and a half. So um, November of, what is it, 2021. Great. And you're new to this, the coaching role. Yes. What was it about coaching that was exciting to you? Like, why did you decide to pursue your certification as yeah. a coach? It's kind of like one of those things as you grow up and you never know, you know, there's something more and you just don't know what it is. And then when I started working here, I'm like, that's a thing. And so I immediately was gravitated toward coaching and met with Brad and was like, how do I do this? Because this is what I feel like God's been telling me I need to do my whole life. That's great. Yeah. Marcy, you talk about self-image and body image as an issue that you're particularly excited about. What What about your story has led you to that particular area of emphasis? Yeah. So I'm a former dancer. I danced through high school. I also have been kind of small my whole life. So it's kind of backwards from what you would think most people with body image issues would think. Being small, people are always like, oh, you're so cute and fun size. But when everybody else is bigger than you, you start to feel a little bit ashamed of that. It's just, it's kind of weird. You get made fun of. I remember a time at recess where there was these two tall girls who were like making fun of me and my friend because we were so little. And you just kind of carry that. Anyways, that's part of the story of self-image. But then being a dancer as well, like you feel like you have to fit this mold of you're supposed to look a certain way and act a certain way when you're on stage or your body's supposed to move a certain way and you're constantly comparing yourself. So I think I just grew up comparing myself a lot to other people and feeling ashamed for the way that I looked and growing into a spot where you can be free from that, I feel like is important to share with other people. Sure. Marcy, when did that start and kind of how did that play out? Like what were some of the ripple effects of that struggle either in life or relationships or spiritual journey? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a culture thing, really. It's how many times are we looking at ads on the TV or billboards and stuff, and you're looking at these perfectly chiseled bodies, and that's kind of like the goal in life anymore. You're looking through Facebook, and you're seeing ads for the best diet or the best workout and it's constantly being fed to you. So I don't think necessarily like it's just a mental struggle or like just the way that you viewed yourself growing up. I think it's been fed to us. Yeah. You talked about dance. I remember a few years ago I was doing a wedding for some professional dancers. They were in a a Miami ballet company and I was just making small talk with one of their friends. And Again, in his early 20s, he says part of what is so brutal about dance as a profession is he goes, I know that if I get injured, there's somebody who is younger and stronger waiting in the wings to take my spot. Totally. And so he goes, there is the there's the temptation to do things to your body that aren't wise or healthy or right just out of fear that there's somebody who's kind of gunning for your place on the roster. Oh, totally. 
Totally. And you will dance injured just to make sure you keep your spot. You'll perform injured just or sick even, you know, because you don't want your understudy to do it because this is your moment to shine. Right. So you you mentioned in your profile a little bit about helping people, especially with the idea of just their relationship with food as it results to the body and how it relates to self-image. It's not unique to dance. That can be true of right. a lot of different kind of performance-based identities. But can you talk about that a little bit and about how our understanding of our identity can help us process that differently or in a manner that's maybe more healthy than what some of us have settled for? So, yeah, we justify the way that we prioritize our food and our exercise. So I have to exercise really hard because I had that piece of cake or I exercise really hard so I can. And we're constantly making these justifications with our workouts and with the way that we eat. Okay. And talk about where you've maybe seen that have like unhealthy implications, either for people that you know or for clients that you're working with or in your own story. Oh, constantly. I mean, you can get an emotional attachment on the scale. You get on the scale every morning and you're up a half a pound and you're like, oh, man. So now I've got constantly got this shame all day long and I have to be careful of what I eat. Or you're down a couple pounds and you're feeling really good about yourself and you're constantly performing for yourself and you've made your you've almost replaced your body with what we should be worshiping God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So talk about how some of those breakthroughs happened in your in your own life. Like where did the where did the tipping point come from from where you were maybe feeling insecure to where you're feeling kind of whole and centered? Yeah. So for me, it happens on the dance floor. Gotcha. You know, I host, you know, dance floors where we can take what we know from what God says about us, how we're lovely, how we are his children and we're this beautiful masterpiece in embody those things on the dance floor so it's not just performing for identity it's performing from our identity in christ how do you get there like from people who are performing for identity to people who are performing from identity where does that shift happen i think it's a constant challenge for sure i don't know if you're ever fully there but i think when you can build that muscle memory and really dig into scripture and really believe and have compassion for yourself the way that god sees you um, and you build up that muscle memory then you can live it out okay awesome as a parent how have you seen that play out with your kids as you've talked about image and worth and identity what are you telling your kids who are in some really pivotal life stages middle school and high school about how to how to frame that and where to find that yeah That's a good question because they're constantly inundated with comparison and people who are just completely submerged in validation from social media. It's tough. And I think it starts at home because you can't change the culture. You can't change the world and all the ads that you're going to see. But you can change the way that you talk to them and check in with them and, and talk to yourself even. Um, kind of the whole look in the mirror thing. What kind of message are you sending them? Um, you know, I, I remember walking with my daughter. She's a dancer too. And um, she would come home crying from dance class because the teacher made her feel like her body wasn't the right shape. She's a little bit like almost knock-kneed. So her, her ankles don't go together when she puts her legs together. And so being shamed for that, she would come home crying. And I'm like, 
Oh, it was just tough. It was tough to just validate her and know like your body is kind of the least impressive thing about you. Um, and if you love to do it, use that as fire to prove that you're dancing because you love it, not because of performing. And what decisions did you make with the family? Did you stick with that program and that instructor? Or um, did you make a pivot? She did for a couple years. Okay. Um, but now she dances in high school and it's a different teacher. So Gotcha. Yeah. So as a parent, when do you know how to help your kid deal with an instructor who might not be affirming and encouraging and validating? When do you push and say, this is a hard person who might not see the world and this craft and you the way that we do, but there's value for us to pull from this program, so we're going to keep grinding? Or when do you say, wow, this might be more damaging than it is rewarding. It's time for us to change gears. Not necessarily give up on dance, but to right. pursue dance with a company or a group that has a philosophy that more aligns with ours. Exactly. It's tough. You know, it comes to this pivotal point, like you said, of are you going to do it because you love it or let this dance teacher tell you you can't and then stop doing something you love? Um, But there are many, many different dance companies out there or programs in general for kids who don't feel seen or valued in the place that they are. So I would just say if you have a conversation with your kid and you can check in with them and know where their mental state is, if they're not having it, it is not worth it. It's not worth pushing through that if it's going to damage them for sure. No, I hear that, Marcy. I I think that watching – different ones of our four kids at different points in their journey just really struggle with an activity or um, a creative endeavor or a sport that they love. And one of, one of the things I have to keep coming back to is in helping kids think about those things as to see dance as worship. Yes. To be able to say, like, if it was just me and God and my craft, could I do it alone and be energized by it? Absolutely. And then also, if you're doing it as a part of a group, to see dance as community, to be able to say, do I like the person that I'm becoming? When I'm with these people, um, that's a question that you can keep asking. Absolutely. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes the answer will be yes and sometimes the answer will be no. And then the last question is like, can I see dance as mission? Mm-hmm. Like, is, is the way that I do this an opportunity for me to just proclaim the goodness of God to people who might not otherwise have had a chance to hear it? Yes, those are all great. And so I think for I think for me, a lot of times we were recently at a high school award ceremony and we live in a school district that puts a high, high, high priority on athletics and mm-hmm. competition. And so my wife and I were kind of debriefing afterwards and it felt like half of the ceremony was honoring kids who had adem- academic achievement. And then slightly more than half was kids who made um, athletic achievement. And I remember thinking back to some of my high school times and saying, wow, I was so tempted to anchor my identity in my accomplishments. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I have this varsity letter, or oh, I have this trophy, or oh, I have this certificate, so I must matter. And then I found out that once you got out of high school and college, people weren't handing out, like, ribbons and plaques and trophies like they did (laughs) when you were young. And then, like, I had to do some work again, Marcy, to Mm -hmm. be able to say, oh, what? wait, if I can't define myself by my accomplishments, what will I define myself by? Right. So when you work with with clients or even your own kids, what are some regular practices that I can do to make sure that my identity is being anchored in my savior and not in my success? 
It's hard. I Like I said before, I think it's an ongoing thing. And I don't know that there's ever a good prescription for the best way to do it because every family is different. Um, I think disassociating ourselves with what we do to perform and doing things because we love them, not for the achievement of it. I think um, so many times we validate our kids, like you had said, for their achievements. But I love you whether you do this or whether you don't, whether you're good at it or whether you're not. And so just getting in front of them, you're doing this because you love it. And it doesn't matter to me how well you perform. Um, and your mission that God has for you has little or no, nothing to do with, with what your sport is. Not too long ago, a book came out called Mindset by a psychologist, Carol Dwick, and she talked about how sometimes we do damage to our kids when we tell them things like, you're so smart, or you're so fast, or you're so athletic, or you're so pretty, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, because kids can hear those messages and they say like, oh, I have worth because those things are true. And you and I both know that when you live long enough, you'll find somebody who's a better dancer or somebody who is a better speaker or somebody who is better at math or better at this or better than that. And one of the things she said was instead of praising kids for what they have achieved or what might be innately talented about them, she said, make sure that you're praising them for effort. Yes. Like you worked so hard or you pushed really hard or you applied yourself in this environment because she goes, that's, that's a skill. That's a muscle that they can continue to flex. Right. Like if they've been praised for their speed, like there's going to come a time where they just literally can't get any faster than they already are. And if they at college, they're the ninth fastest person. And when in high school, they were the first fastest person, then to remind them that that doesn't doesn't mean that they're less than than they were before. Exactly. And I think that's what we fall into the trap, too. I mean, even if you look at somebody who loses weight, the first thing we say is, oh, man, you look great. It's like. Hmm, what about the effort that I put into it and the why that I put it? I feel better. You're right. glowing. You look better, you know, and praising people for their character, like you had said, instead of their success and achievement. Right. Yeah, that is that is so good. So, Marcy, what would you say to people who maybe right now are in a season where they feel like their worth is up for grabs, that maybe they've let other people define them or they're tempted to let culture define them and they know in the back of their brain that like God gets a vote, but they have been reluctant to give God the pen mm-hmm. to to write the definition of who they are. What what do you say the person in that spot? I think I would just say like nobody else gets to define you based on how you've been treated, the way you perform, or what they think about you. Most of the time they're so much more worried about themselves than you and so if they do say something that makes you hurt, it's probably because they're hurt themselves. And Marcy, what do you say to parents who have either elementary school kids who are maybe getting picked on for just the, the way that they look or the way that they act or middle school or high school or college age students who are kind of trying to find their way forward, who might be grasping for their identity in ways that you know are ultimately not going to serve them well? What do you, what do you say to the, the, the mom or the dad who's in that seat now? Just keep offering compassion to them, um, validating them for their character and for their their being a child of God. Um, pointing them back to Scripture, pointing them back to who God says they are, I think is is huge. But I know in the end, it, the kids will still want affirmation from their friends, and they'll still want affirmation from their successes and their trophies and stuff. But just keep realigning. Awesome.
Marcy, thanks so much for your insights. And it's so good to have you here at Winning at Home. And we're really excited um, that you're kind of transitioning into this coach type role. How can people find out how to book sessions with you or more about the services that you provide? Yeah, just go to the Winning at Home website and then or call the office and then they'll direct you to Brad and then he'll get something set up. Excellent. And in case you're listening for the first time, Brad Claver is our Directing of Coaching. We've got a couple different divisions that we use to offer services to clients here at Winning at Home. We've got our counseling arm, and then we've also got our coaching arm. Different people will need different services in different seasons for different reasons. So if you're not sure what you need, uh, don't hesitate to call the office and they can direct you from there. Marcy, thanks again for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to Hope Through Hard Stuff. Thanks for being a part of the conversation, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.